Hello. Hi. What's wrong with the symmetry today? Can you move it? <laughs> yeah, so we um we have five people today. So hello everyone. Hello Shinoku. Hello, hello Nene. Hello. 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 Hi. <laughs> um so yeah, five people hanging out. All Thank good. Thank you for the invite. Thank you so much for yeah. having us. Yes. Nice you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it should be fun. Um Yours is here because we uh, we did some studio work today together. Uh, can I talk about that? Yeah, of what course. Can we, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyone can talk about anything. Yeah, okay, sure. okay, no. okay. Uh, yeah. So he um, he asked me to uh, to be a guest on his next project. Basically, he can explain what it is. But, yeah. Uh, uh, so I said, yeah, come over and we'll yeah. do it here, and and then you can stay around for the Noctua listing. So it's uh, so here okay. we are. And what kind of project? Uh... The project is I'm making new mix CD, which is something I do once every couple of years. Um, and it's like a double mix CD, and I usually take a lot of time to do to do these things. And this time, it is a it is a, a Rotterdam mix CD. Like it's uh, it's it's kind of branded for Rotterdam. And obviously, Jochem's from Rotterdam. Um, oh, that's the first time you tell me. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> no, I, I told you. I'm oh, sure. yeah, yeah. I think I told I you. I thought there was a conceptual thing, but... Uh, no, but that's really the thing. Ah, okay. So it's uh, an actual theme of it. Okay. So I asked uh, Jochem, and I also asked um, Secret Cinema, Jeroen Verheij, who is actually not living in Rotterdam anymore, but obviously uh, a, a Rotterdam hero as well. So um, I made a track with him, and we did that over the internet. And... Um, even though we live in Amsterdam, but that was the beginning of the lockdown. And we were both like, oh, let's just do it like online. And then um, with Jochem, he was like, yeah, I'd love to do this, but I'm not going to do this online with you. We're just going to have to do this in the studio together. I want to look a person in the eyes, you know. Yeah. But you produced the track online together. No, back in... jo Jochem and me. No, you, you, and, you and Jochem did it live, but um, with yeah. Secret Cinema, you did it um, back and yeah. forth over the internet. Basically, yeah, basically, what I, I kind of made a remix of a sketch that he uh, that he sent me. He made a sketch. He sent me like ten or twelve different tracks, and I chose uh, the the one track where I heard like enough that I was really inspired to make something. And he sent me all the the separate uh, stems, and then I started remixing it and rewriting mm. bits and pieces. Um, so that's yeah, that was a lot of fun. But this this was, today was also very inspiring, and it, it took a long time. And we were jamming and jamming, and then all of a sudden we were like. <gasps> We need to eat something as well. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, by the time the you... sound started to be okay, then uh, you know it uh, it was um, no twiddler's time. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, some really good stuff came out. And yeah. you you record all of it, or did you like take all the recording of the all day, or yeah, have basically you... that's, what, that's that's what Jochem does, uh, which is which is insane because he must have ha must have like a whole hard disk full of. Uh, of recordings for today yeah. like basically from the first moment we switch on the gear like everything is on and at some point i was saying like should we start recording now and he's like no it's all recording <laughs> and like, oh, oh really? wow <laughs> but it's gonna be uh it's gonna be mad to go through everything yeah and already like uh, on separate channels everything are you recording everything on the separate channels yeah or stereo output done no well the thing is usually um for every session in in this studio um we built a new setup so there's like lots of 
you know, synths and drum machines and gear lying around the studio on, on shelves. And there's this, uh, let me see if I can show you. There's this performance island, you know, like in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I really like that, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so basically mm -hmm. what we do is um, for every session uh, happening in store, we build uh, a setup. So we start with, uh, you know, sometimes we start with uh, pieces of gear that the guest has brought along, you know, that they are familiar with and they know really well. Mm -hmm. And then we add like uh, extra pieces and we make longer chains, you know, we put like pedals in between and stuff like that. And so every time a new um, stream is added to the to the, the setup, it's it's added to an extra audio input, you know, so there's um, connections going through to the desk and to the sound card. Um, so we start out with usually like maybe four tracks recording at the same time mm -hmm. or two stereo tracks. But when the system becomes more complex and grows, the more uh, is split out to separate channels. So it's one recording with a timeline that starts out with, you know, maybe, you know, a few tracks. And then at the end, it's uh, like 16 channels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, it's like a way of um, not uh, mm -hmm. wasting too much time thinking about something and just you know play it and and uh, mm. record it on the go mm -hmm. nice um, yeah i really like the uh, i like the setup oh, what you yeah. have the, um, mm. that you face each other and i saw that when you did that with um with um stranger right ah, was yeah. like that's i think that is a really great interaction between the partner you have and you know you can talk and but you can 100%. still you know you do you do your thing but there's this interaction i think this is a this is a great, like, great way of working. I think um, Schwefelgeld does that on stage when they perform. They face each other, and I think a couple of other acts mm. do that. I think that is a giant really, swan. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's really nice because you can see what the other person is doing. I can see mm. when he reaches for the bass drum or the 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 the, the high pass yeah. for the bass drum. I know <laughs> the the beats coming back in. Exactly. Yeah. You kind of can anticipate, and it's uh, yeah. He does some real counting as well. Yeah, it does. Then he forgot mm. to, to actually punch it. In the, <laughs> the Do right you have up. the banana thing? I remember you did that with what was it? A Collapse three thousand, the banana turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't well, there something I saw somewhere on the that? internet? <laughs> yeah, that was um, um, when I play. When Chris and I, I play together, it's um, uh, eight decks and you know shitloads of uh, you know drum machines and extra things that we play live, and so you have shitloads of channels uh, and the only way it works to keep everything together is to have that one person has the base you know the control mm. base so we have this banana and we hand it over to each other so the person who has the banana has the base you can continue playing whatever you want and there's never every any confusion about um about this you know so you, um. yeah one person controls the base for like uh, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour, 10 minutes, depends on what section, you know, what we're doing. Uh, but when you get handed the banana, you know, okay, now it's my turn <laughs> for the bass. I and saw that and I find that was super cool. Just here, uh, there's the banana. About is, um, <laughs> is everything, is everything uh, in the box? Uh, I mean, uh, is everything external or you also everything. do combination, computer, or is everything hardware? The only thing that we recorded in the box was the MIDI for my, yeah. for my synth chords. Because mm. I started, I, I tried working with the internal uh, <laughs> something I'd never done before, and I was doing this for an hour, and I had three notes. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's move on to MIDI now. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, and is because I notice um, when I work, uh, say, uh, out of the box eh, with hardware, and I mix it with, uh, with uh, yeah, in the box with the plugins. There's always sometimes a delay, and um, yeah. or you have to fix it yourself. Um, and I was wondering, is there uh, problems with uh, latency or? Um, I think the way yeah, it's, everything does, is really tight in sync. Yeah, the way Jochen basically does it is quite unique because he doesn't use a mixer. So he just, like, all the audio goes into the computer and then it comes out. So let's say he would use a VST as well, like a plugin or something, synthesizer. Mm -hmm. It will come out at the same time as the audio that he's recording real time. So there's, there's mm -hmm. a small delay in when you're playing the outboard gear, but it's hardly noticeable if you don't yeah. use any yeah. plugins. But. Yeah, so the, what yours is, the, 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 technically it's, you're listening to the uh, to the sound card, not to the real-time audio. Mm. So you're listening to everything through <laughs> with with latency, basically. Mm. And sometimes okay. with, with really, um, with things that are really critical, like uh, throwing in something right on the, on, on the beat, it, it can be noticeable, but it, once you get once your head adjusts to the latency, it's fine, you know. But um, but yeah, you have to get used to it. Um, but if you have slow movements, there's really no uh, problem. Your head uh, kind yeah. of adjusts to it, and, and it works. Mm. Fine. What sound yeah. card is it? Yeah, I was gonna ask. <laughs> it has very low latency. It's I have two two uh, sixteen channel uh, Lynx Auroras. Oh yeah. Mm. Okay. And they are just very neutral and very yeah yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen I've seen a couple of people using that method to play live mm. uh, at stage, and I've seen that a little bit going critical. It's uh, like playing that live. I mean, for recording, I think it's really great, mm -hmm. but for live, I always find it a little bit uh, like critical because it's like computer relying everything on the computer even though you're working on the hardware in the end everything is on the computer and everything is on the sound card you really need a good sound card good computer for that to work right mm -hmm. like i mean otherwise yeah i know what you mean but that's just the way the system is set up here and mm -hmm. there is there is a mixer but it's also also pre uh sound card you know so it's mm -hmm. uh, going if, if we use the direct out so i have access to eq like instantly um it's still going uh, into the computer after that and um, yeah. i don't know mm -hmm. so just, uh, the, for, for me the, the the last five years i've worked like this and it's the most productive way i've ever yeah. done it. Mm. i mean it's basically hardware monitoring right you, you yeah know, obviously you, yeah. you sequence it in the in i don't know which daw Ableton or, or Logic, yeah. but you monitor the audio, and I think that is that is a very precise way, especially if you do not really like mix the two worlds of digital, like in the box and out of the box, so you can mm. monitor the audio. I do that with um, I have at home. I, I have an RME, a Fireface, and um, um, I use um, the RME software, Total Mix, for it. Right? You can you can mm. you can also mm. like route it a lot and like in really creative ways. And I personally think that it sounds a bit like more accurate than let's say you go through uh, Ableton, Mixer. for example. I think there is there is there is a. I mean, obviously, the audio engine of of <laughs> Logic or Live does something, and the hardware monitoring does also something. So I prefer 
the hardware monitoring over the software monitoring in many cases, mm. especially when it's just jamming. I think you have more dynamic range, you have more, you have more headroom. I sometimes feel that it's, it's punchier, it's more, it, it just, it, I don't know, I like it, I like hardware monitoring a lot, especially when it's just about jamming around, right? Mm. That's, uh, I, I like this approach a lot, mm. yeah. But, uh, Shinado, you mean the, um, you also have instances where you are playing things from your DAW or your uh, uh, sequencer and then uh, monitor stuff that is coming in live into the same audio mix. Is that what you mean, dealing with the latency? Because then you already, then you are basically monitoring like what uh, Henning calls hardware monitoring uh, mm -hmm. with stuff playing internally at the same time. And then, then, in, then indeed you get like a, a difference in, uh, yeah. in time between the two sources. Yeah, but I switch, uh, oh. I, sw I have a, uh, I use the disc. Oh, am I? What happened? <laughs> oh, God. What happened? Oh, God. <laughs> you hear me? Yeah, we yes. do. Yes. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you're there, but you're gone at the same time. Uh, Maybe you stopped the cam. Did you, did you no, stop I the cam? No, I didn't. Well, okay, let's see. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's stop it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe by accident, yeah. Okay, yeah, but I switch on the mixer, so between, you know, uh, once I, I record the, the, uh, the, the hardware and, uh, and then I switch to Ableton uh, to hear the hardware with Ableton. So I do first the hardware and then I do, maybe it's a, a long way, but at first the hardware record and then I record with the plugins. So, um, and I have a multi-clock. I have a multi-clock that ah, yeah. connects, yeah. you know, the, all the mm, hardware. You too as well. I love yeah. it. The, the it's, it's a, it's a total game changer. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah? a game changer. Yeah. I so, so. It's, it's like I have basically a setup. I have the inner box. I have an uh, uh, outer box with all the hardware, and then I have the part with the modeler. And I still, mm -hmm. it's like, and I use, uh, I'm, I use all the three parts in one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you guys work, but um, yeah. <laughs> I I, I'm, I lost my mind so many times over latency, and since I have the multi-clock, um, I I I saved a, um, a preset, a certain like delay on the multi-clock that shifts the MIDI chain earlier than the than the inner like the in-the-box metronome. So I have mm -hmm. pretty much everything on the one, the hardware chain and the um, the, the internal clock um, or the metronome. But what I notice is that certain plugins create latency or, I don't know, sometimes it's just fucked up. But with a multi-clock, you can then just like, you know, shift it back in or, or on, like on purpose create a certain delay or yeah, at yeah, the shuffle. Yeah. So for hmm. me, really, when I, when, I, when I discovered the ERM, because I, the, there's the Acme, the clock, I don't know what it's called. But there's, yeah, that's the, I one think, got, that's the one we've got here, yeah. That is a bit more comp complex, I think, and um, because you have, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have maybe more channels and whatever. Um, so I, I, I knew this before I had the multi-clock, but I think 
I think budget reasons. I, I decided to get the multi-clock because the Acme is like, what, a thousand euro and the multi-clock is... It was the only thing that was around at the time I got it, so yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the guys who designed the multi-clock was part of the Acme company at some point, so they split. So there was, I think there was something. But yeah, like for me, this was a total game changer because I'm more flexible with the external chain and um, I can still throw in samples and it's it's pretty much, not always, mm. always depending a bit on the CPO, uh, CPU load or something. But um, I really enjoy um, um, the multi-clock, especially to, go to, to, to work around latency issues because I, I don't get it. I mean, we're flying to the moon. We do open heart surgeries, <laughs> but we cannot fucking compensate latency. I mean, I love. No, I'm getting emotional about it because because um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, why, we cannot, why they cannot fix it, or is why there is no algorithm that can do that? I don't know. I don't. I yeah, don't know. It's, a, it's a topic that always uh, arises uh, on these talks, and also when, <laughs> when I have. <laughs> And um, even there's some friends showing up in the chat, so we should hi, say, we should say hi. Um, for example, our friend Mike Rothead from Berlin uh, is asking a clock-specific thing. Where do you have your clock is in the chain? Um, can you can you? Ma yeah, Ableton. Uh, Ableton is the master clock. Yeah. Sorry. My, uh, I see, is the, oh, it's gone now. But Ableton is basically the master now. Okay. Yeah. So I control yeah, everything through Ableton. If I press start, then everything starts to work. Yeah, same for me. And yeah. I mean, the yeah. multi-clock does this like one one round of, of getting, actually generating the, the clock, right? Yeah. So you always have this. I mean, you can you can do a 360 reverse and it kind of like starts at the beginning, but I think it should do this like one cycle to then start. Mm -hmm. um, but what I also sometimes do is I use the multi-clock as, um, as the master because the clock is really precise and really tight. And mm -hmm. it has this, it has this um, emergency loop. So should something with your computer happen, it goes into this emergency loop and just like mm -hmm. keeps the clock running. I think that is especially when you go live or when you perform live. This is it can okay. save your life, and you can in the meantime you can you can restart your computer or whatsoever. But mm. I prefer like when it's about recording. Um, yeah, in my case, Ableton is the mm. is the master, and 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 multi-clock just generates the like the jitter-free audio mm. sample sample exact clock. Yeah, so yeah, I guess okay. it's, uh, it's the same for all of us. You too, Nene. Um, for me, it's when I'm playing live, it's only gear and um, the clock is coming from the drum machine going through the uh, synthesizer and from there to the uh, modular synthesizer. And all the channels are in the mixer and um, through auxiliary send some effects. And that's it. But when I'm recording, I'm sending the clock from the uh, computer to yeah. the whole gear and then recording like that. Uh, because I like from live playing while live playing, I had so much stress with um, having the computer and the interface around. I guess um, like it's just for me more safe. It feels more safe to feel uh, feel the hardware and play only with the gear 
and like trust the gear than trust the computer. I don't know why, but it just, um, yeah, it just happened too many times that just computer crashed and stuff like that. So I'm just not, yeah. I'm not feeling so comfortable with going to stage with the computer anymore. Yeah, mm. computers cannot be trusted. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit tricky. <laughs> it's a little bit tricky. And it's also like more charming if, if the gear fucks up, it's more charming somehow. Like you can just like uh, close, open, and it still has like this charming effect. But when computer is fucking up, it's just, it's not cute. Yeah, it's, it's not cute. cute. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which that interface did you use on stage? If I'm, I'm, I'm a bit into like, um, I, I think really interface to interface varies in the in how stable they are. Which one did you use? I guess that so. Um, Motu, Motu, yeah. I had. Yeah. Motu, I had. Maybe it's also not um, trustable enough. I don't know. Also, the computer, the newer uh, Ableton with this USB-C, it's also not working good at all. Like, Don't get me started. It's just, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, they, they, they say that it's better than normal USB, but actually, it's not. It's not. Mm. It's just uh, causing so much problems. So, yeah. No. Yeah. Mm. Trusting the gear more. Definitely. Can you can you uh, tell us what your setup looks like? What what? Uh... Uh, I have. Wait, maybe I, mean, I, I could. Mean, you, you don't have to. Yeah, well, you, you can show us, of course. But I mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I just show you. It's just like like this. It's like a one bigger, one smaller, uh, modular, two effect machines and um, two synthesizers, oh, the, I mean, one drum synthesizer. The one vocoder? Yeah, the voice thing, it's amazing. Are you, yeah. how, how are you using that? I'm using it actually for, it has an amazing reverb, and right. uh, it gives a little bit of crystals and harmonics on top when you put it on the right kind of sounds. Sometimes it also doesn't work. So it's just like trying out if it works never on the drums. I never do that because it doesn't work well. But uh, yeah, for the synthesizers more. Or, right, but, uh, but I was actually, to, uh, this is your live setup as well as your studio setup. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. that's actually basically it. <laughs> wow, okay, so you, you, you travel with everything or you just take some pieces and you leave others in the studio? The, depends on where I'm flying to, of course. If it's like, uh, if it's a place where I know that the flights are not like, I'm not gonna feel comfortable with going over 10 kilos mm. because they're gonna weigh it and it's gonna be problem and stuff like that. Then I don't take uh, most of the gear, especially not the modular, the big bigger case. I don't take it with me. Right. But if I feel more comfortable. Uh, because you know I'm Turkish person uh, traveling around Europe, and they still like do this game with me, and mm. um, yeah. So I am very careful. Also, like having uh, not slept at all and getting into conversations about like oh, yeah. the gear. What is this for? It's, it's so hard. It's so hard. So um, I better leave it at home and have more relaxed brain. 
Um, what I was wondering, how are you all coping with the COVID period, oh. uh, with the lockdown, and how you can still get inspired? Um, Gentlemen, <laughs> I think I feel more inspired than uh, than than ever. Actually, I mean, personally, I've I've made more. A higher quantity and quality of music in the last three months than in the last three years, probably. Hmm. Um, I don't know, yeah. It's just, it's just, you just have a lot of time um, that normally I'd be sleeping in, or I mean, I have a family as well and it's taking care of the kids. And now I'm home in the, we in the weekend, so I can do more in the week. Um, and also, I'm, I think my brain is a bit more like relaxed. I, I've slept a lot. Um, my mind is also not set to making dance floor, you know, peak time tracks all the time, um, which which you, it's, which is something I, I tend to get stuck in a little bit when I'm traveling a lot and, you know, I need stuff to, to play during my sets. Um, so now I don't have any of that. So it's, it's actually very inspiring. Mm. That's a fair point, actually. I think um, when you really when you are at home for more than just four days or I don't know, you know, when you're not like every weekend you're gone. I think you can really kind of like develop a studio mood and like really dive in and work on projects like it more like more deeply than you maybe when you are leaving on a Thursday again and coming back on a Monday or you just like, you know, taken out of the flow. But on the other hand, I found it a bit, you know, we had to sort out our shit, right? And I think because there is no certainty at the moment, you know, we had to do like, you know, administrative stuff in Germany, you know, to get the the government support and all that. It kind of like threw me personally off for a little bit to take mm -hmm. care of, you know, okay, so, so what is going on, you know, mm -hmm. and taking care of tax returns and, you know, you could pause tax and all that. So that for a little bit threw me off. But I feel that now that how many months are we into this now? Three months, four months? Yeah, three, four. I think somehow now I'm like, okay, so it this says is something. It says something about the situation that you don't even know how many. Yeah, yes. it's like okay, <laughs> lost track of time. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel. I feel kind of like, um, uh, perhaps a bit more relaxed and like more like open and like arrived in a certain way in the studio because you have. Like Yoris said, you have you have time now, you know, and um, I, I, I like what you're saying about um, um, going in a deeper studio vibe or deeper studio mood. Um, if you if you are um, traveling a lot and you only have three or four days to visit the studio in between gigs, uh, you tend to feel you're wasting time if you were just noodling around for a day or just doing yeah. just exploring a synth or um trying something new you know yeah. and um, if you uh, right now it's you can spend a week without actually recording something but get a real clear picture of where you want to go which is something which is as valuable as finishing something exactly yeah. or even not knowing where you where you're going or where you want to go and just finding out along the way yeah I never and it doesn't like, really matter and it does oh, I, I never and it, wasting time in the studio yeah it's always worth it's always good for something yeah yeah yes yes and then I mean, how you uh yeah actually quite the same i mean it's it, it's great to have the time but it can also be such a burden also to have oh, yeah. so much time it's it's like so good and at the same time also 
like the the um, creativity at some point or like the the lust of doing something goes like slowly like mm. you know like this because there is no input happening uh, anymore so um, it's really good and bad at the same time <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to keep on motivating. Eh? Yeah, it's and very I mean, hard. What I feel is uh, when I, uh, after a gig and then I come back, I have inspiration and, uh, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now it's like no, the weekends and <laughs> no gigs. And then, yeah. And I mean, always do the week I sit in the studio and make music. And um, yeah. But yeah. it's now like okay, there's no no other impulses or energies that yeah. give you that extra. Yeah. But or anyway, some... it's also you can go deeper. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. yeah. Make some time. Sometimes you, I'm yeah. Sometimes I'm like starting and I'm thinking like, why even bother, you know? <laughs> or but sometimes I'm like, it just makes so much sense right now. This happening, you know, it's so. But you all have, do you all have your studios at home, actually? So I see Shinedo has the studio, I guess that's your apartment, and Nene yeah. has it at home? <laughs> um, Joris and Jochen are in it, because I have my studio also in, I mean, I have a, I have a little setup at home, um, and I have my main studio, which is not in my apartment, and I feel that it's like, you know, you go to the studio, it's kind of like a... It's like a working day in a way. So you go there and you're kind of like there. So you produce music, you write music. But when I do something at home, I feel what Nina was saying. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so what is this for? Or you, you like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. hungry or I want a coffee and you go out. But um, when I actually go to, the, to, to my main studio, I am more obliged because I also want to use the time. So that's, mm -hmm. and I always had my studio out like not in my apartment and I, I this kind of like created something like okay like a daily or like a whenever you go kind of like a routine that I really appreciate when going to the studio so mm. that is that's how I'm I'm always forced myself to to okay now you're in the studio and now you let's see what 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 you can get going yeah true true it's more like going for work going to work yeah exactly so no. Yeah. Makes sense. In the chat, you're, you're, you're debating monitor speakers? Yeah, there's some questions about what we all use for monitors. And, um, <laughs> I was, okay. I was, also, subwoofer. I was giving uh, Sander some hints in the, in the private chat. <laughs> ah, <laughs> the he private was, chat. He's, um, <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, oh. <laughs> anyway. let, let me check the private chat. That's also chat. happening. Oh shit! Oh my god! <laughs> private. Oh, <laughs> good that this one is private. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I think there's a lot of people commenting. Sorry, people, if we are ignoring you because uh, we've <laughs> we are so involved in um, in this conversation right now. Um, the question, do you guys make different music as well now? Does it, does it this time inspire you to maybe make things that are outside of the box, things that you made that you will not, never play in your live sets or your DJ sets or anything else, but are just coming from some kind of place? Sure. Yeah, I was, I'm always 
uh, exploring because for me it brings if I'm doing no dance floor music it actually in the end kind of like brings me back to something that is meant for the dance floor but if I go off track into you know whatever universe you want to go um, I get I gain a lot of what I can actually do in maybe more dance floor focused tracks so I I always I need that mm -hmm. kind of like balance because just doing dance floor tracks I would get really bored in a way yeah and I would lose a lot of I would lose inspiration and like you know so that's I personally I need that a lot that the stuff that is just sitting on a on a hard drive that might never ever see see the light but it's crucial for for the for the production process in general. Oh, you make me curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's why, a lot why, of stuff. Why wouldn't why wouldn't it um, deserve um, a public life or public version or? I mean, not that it's not. Um, even under a different name or something, or. It's it's maybe not even it's not it's you know I I I kind of like see these sections in my 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 studio life as you know sometimes it's learning and trying and like you know experimenting around and it's not it's not meant to be released it could be released but it's not it's not it's just not the purpose of that music is not for being released it's like to try out and explore and discover and then take elements of this this learning process, this discovering process into actually the music that is meant to be released. Wow. Okay. Well, to be honest, I, th I almost think the opposite way because I always find beauty in things that are not supposed to be something uh, or are That's not true. supposed, uh, yes, n things that mm -hmm. are made just with 100% uh, uh, genuine intentions, just uh, an exploration or something which is... Um, uh, yeah, made without any attention. I think I think that's mm. usually uh, a more direct uh, brain to result translation than if you th overthink something uh, because it needs to be released and fit in a certain format or is geared towards mm -hmm. a certain purpose or audience. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I this the music I'm 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 writing in in the more like in the I, let's call it the learning process or the, the the experimenting process it could technically be released but it's just it's just a mindset how I how I how I treat that music mm -hmm. because it I I go from 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 these from from this stock of sounds and I might pick something or I might just pick an idea or a feeling and then kind of like be in another stage in the studio that what I have done without, like you said, without not like with, without caring about it or without having in mind that this is something that I want to release. But it's here and I use the energy or the, 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 the purpose of, 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 of these recordings to then actually incorporate into tracks that that might see the might see the light at some point um but i i totally agree that when you have something that is that is totally innocent and just just it just happened that can be very very beautiful and um oh we're three people now there is something <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. Is gone now. she got bored <laughs> she got bored by my spiritual it's <laughs> like ah fuck that shit i'm out <laughs> Well, she's a toilet here. break. <laughs> and add this one. 
Oh yeah, my yeah, god. I could hear you, but I was out somehow. There's Can a, you hear me? There's a Dutch word for this. Stoel and yeah, we hear you. We hear okay. you. Musical chair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what happens. It's fine. You're back. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, continue. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I'm you know, I, I ruined it. I'm so sorry. I ruined it. No, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I'm actually interested in, um, in hearing about um, everyone else, how they um, um, make, the, make a distinction between the stuff you decide about releasing and the stuff you decide that, you know, to be shelved or something. Um, Shinodo? Yeah, <laughs> because we all have. Uh, have um, is it, how I decide. Right? Yeah. What do you say? Sorry? I mean, we all have plenty of stuff that is sitting on the shelf yeah. or sitting on the hardest that we don't really. So, how, what is the thing that makes you shelve it? And instead of. Um, Basically, how I work. How I work if I uh, if I produce music, and. Um, I feel immediately if the track will work or not. And I try not to put it in a shelf because I don't want to have loads of unfinished music. So what I do, I if it doesn't work at that moment, I throw it away. Sometimes I keep it, maybe two or three tracks. But um, yeah, I, that's the way for me to work. Like if I, if I hear the track works, I feel it, then I know when I'm going to bring it out. And uh, yeah, but you actually I feel it in my gut. Destroy the stuff you don't don't release, or do you keep it somewhere? It it's really rare. It's then I really have to doubt. But I have uh, a lot of music I I delete. Wow! Wow! <laughs> That's because a brave. I, don't like to have, I just Hardcore. like it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I just don't like to have piles of music and yeah, yeah you're right. I, I like to work in the moment and the the feeling what I have and then. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that that's the way I work. And if I, I guess it really depends. Great, great attitude, absolutely. Yeah. Depends on the music as well, because what you say if it doesn't work, but what does it or does it not work for? There's so many mm -hmm. ways in which music can work. True. Yeah. Um, so I think any any kind of music, it, it, it's either good music or bad music, and even that's debatable. But um, anything else, I think I think it's really interesting to keep uh, sketches, you know, because they will they will. They might inspire you in a, in a year, maybe in five mm -hmm. years. You'll be like, oh yeah, that yeah. was actually pretty good. You know, you might pick it up again and make it different some, version or anything. Some, some, but I really feel I'm I'm really an intuitive person, and I feel when I hear a track, yes, this is it or this is not, and yeah, mm -hmm. that is how yeah, mm -hmm. that's how it works for me. And of course, you can keep a track. Maybe sometimes I have like, okay, this could have, this could be something. But um, mm. yeah, I'm really a person like in the moment. I really have to feel it. And then I work on a tra track the second day, third day, I listen to it. Do I still have the feeling? Yes. If I don't have the feeling, no, I don't work on it. Mm. If I work too long, two weeks on a track, then it's not. But, no, but, but, working, no. But, but working on a track and having it on the hard drive for, I mean, I just, there's this promoter in Germany, they are, they put, put a, um, a compilation together, kind of like a fundraiser. And I went through my archive and I found a track mm -hmm. which is maybe five years old and I listened to it and I was like, well, this is actually something you could 
put out and I send him that and and he released it. So I think sometimes you discover something in your archives, you maybe have already forgotten about it, but mm-hmm. but then when it strikes back in a certain way and it puts you, you know, you like, oh shit, I forgot about this track, but this track is mm-hmm. actually good. But I like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I keep, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did a little um, clean up on my studio computer the other day and I, I, I trashed a lot of old projects, but they, they mm-hmm. were, to be honest, they were. They did it. They didn't set, serve any purpose than just like sitting around on a hard drive. Mm-hmm. And um, but sometimes you discover. I don't know if it's just a bassline or a lead synth or a drum, a, a kick drum. I don't know. You you like oh, okay. and then you take it. You you take you take that mm-hmm. energy from two, three, four, five, six years back into your contemporary mind. And I think you can, you can, you can, you can, you can um, profit a lot from something that you kept, and it just like like a good wine that just like got a bit better than you. Yeah, I mean, you incorporated. I mean, I understand that part as well. But for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, sounds. If I create sounds, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I can always pick, use that. But I really feel like when it's, yeah, that. Yeah, I really feel when a track is yes, this works for me or not. I'm really, I'm, actually, uh, I'm really I, I intuitive totally, with that. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And I, actually, I'm the same. The only the only difference that mm-hmm. I have with you is that I just don't delete it. Mm. I, I mean, I, I, I like starting over with something a thousand times more than going back to something mm-hmm. that has already been recorded. So I don't go back to all the tracks to see if I can. Um, breathe new life into it or you know sort of rescue it um i I would rather start something new which is always a a lot quicker and a lot more Mm. uh, easy to deal with um and a lot more fun too Mm. Um, do you guys do you guys read old stuff it's just sitting there it's just waiting for i don't know for my grand grand kids or something do you guys also like listen to your tracks after they're done just like you know never, never. For me neither it's done, Ever. It's done. when it's done it's <laughs> yeah, done yeah. like it's like out of my zone. It's just like past. It's like past relationship is done. You just don't want to think about it. It's like it's somehow even like you just don't like it anymore you, or something you, you like that. Because you spend crazy. so much time with it. Yeah. Do you mean really putting on the putting on? Let's say you finished uh, an EP, putting on the EP to actually listen to it, or you mean like listening to it just because you need to learn something from it or something? That, yeah, I, I I would never put on like an EP or a CD that I made. Your own, your own music, <laughs> and sit sit in the living room like, oh, this. Is <laughs> no. I'm so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. It's, I think to, it is interesting to, to to see the the development which you make. I mean, mm. if I listen to stuff that I made many years ago and mm. I listen now, it's so so you know, different, but mm-hmm. every period, every year has a different phase, maybe a different state you were in or things you experienced. Yeah. Um, yeah. Inspiration. So sometimes but I, like I, back, I was like, oh, I was in that period. But yeah. Yeah. yeah but I like also, I, but I like to hear also when I like listen to the first things I made, how, how much naivety 
it is in there like how much of like because those are the tracks that you do not to get into a label or not for a purpose but you do just for because you have something to express and you have something to discover and it's so exciting and like when i hear that it's also so raw and so wrong at the same time but still such like a character it has and it's like i like it i like like listening to the first things a little bit like one minute of it and then Very cool okay to it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh, no. It's I mean, funny I think... because when, when you're making the music, you're listening to it like nonstop. You're listening again and again. Yeah. And again. Like I'm doing this mixity at the moment and it's, it consists mostly of other people's music, which is great. Um, and those parts I like the most. And then there's a part with my own tracks because and I just made them on the fly while mixing. Um, and those are the parts I want to skip <laughs> the quickest. But listening to the to mixity when you're making it is actually really nice because you can really get into the flow and you fine tune. I mean, I, I make a mixity in Ableton. It's not like a DJ mixity. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's funny how you listen so much to music uh, while you're making it, uh, or an album or something. And then once it's once it's done, it's done. Like throw it's it away. Mm. Yeah, I think once Hopefully it goes public, listen. once it goes public, it's up to the others to like deal with it. Yeah, and, it's a second you know, life. It's yeah, a yeah, second yeah. Life. yeah. Exactly, because you yeah. brought it to life. You struggled with it. You there's there's parts that no one cares about you, but it bothers you. Mm -hmm. I don't know something that doesn't. Really feel right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were like, yeah. "Fuck, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get this. I don't get it tight." So you put it out there, but um, I think then I don't know a few years later when you have this like emotional when you're more emotionally distant to that track and then you listen back to it, I think mm. you have your own new pair of ears mm. in a way that I do I did that the other day I went through by just by accident I went through my archive because I put together like a large folder and was like oh I did that right oh yeah mm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah that ah oh, right that was this track and that with that track and you it kind of like I totally forgot about them but I like them in a way I like what mm -hmm. I what I did back then so it kind of like Oh yeah, I know why I put this out. So it was kind of like it was a it was a nice going through your own archive. But once a, a new release is out, I, I'm done with it. I need, yeah. I, I, yeah, I like, guess we all all agree on this. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, yeah. It is sort of like being uh, being not able to spend more time on something and then just draw the line and saying, okay, I'm temporarily satisfied. You know, this yeah. is this is what mm -hmm. it is. Uh, move on to the next thing now because others we, judge yeah yeah exactly yeah and uh you guys oh, actually yeah. um, and yoris and Jochen, you guys also have been doing a little bit off uh four 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 to the floor kind of things uh you you mean in the session today uh yeah or in general in this session today, we started four four, and then the end, last the last half hour, was um, half speed dubby kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was really. And nice. actually, that's the musically the most interesting part, but yeah. uh, probably not uh, what yours was looking for <laughs> to do when he was coming here to do a track for his next album. But uh, you know, we, we might do something with it. I don't know. Uh, but it was fun to do. It was, uh, yeah, it was just it just happened. Put put the, the clock, everything in the clock on half speed, and then um, 
kind of re <laughs> reprogrammed some of the drums and synths and um, um, and then it became something completely different very quickly. Mm. So that was cool. And other than that, uh, yeah, I, I must say f uh, for myself, I haven't done, I haven't uh, done any uh, music with uh, a pre-conceived idea. Basically, all music I do these days in the last four or five years is just um, I go in the studio, make music, and whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. Without thinking I'm going to do an EP for, you know, with this style or um, um, it's just stuff that happens. And whenever That's amazing. And, and whenever uh, something happens that I really like, uh, we cut it to vinyl and that's it. Hmm. And, um, you so, cut the vinyl at, 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 how do you say it? Store? 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 Yeah, yeah, in this room in, in the back, you know, uh, there is a vinyl cutting room. and uh, You cut it there? Yeah. yeah, that's pretty nice. I think that is a that's, that's so a, nice. That's a cool concept of like you create <laughs> yeah. it at the spot and you yeah. you you and then you can technically just walk out of the the session with with your duplate. It's bypassing yeah. bypassing all the steps uh, that normally take place when you release something. So it's uh, you you basically we all know the situation. You're making music, you finish it. Uh, then you look for a label or you have your own label. You have to wait for the pressings. You have to get the artwork done. Somebody mm -hmm. that you work with uh, picks a date in the future because it needs promo lead time, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And then by the time it gets released, you're sick and tired of it and you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many yeah. records can you cut? Like in a, what is a, what is an addition mm -hmm. of, of what? Like 50, 100, 200? Well, yeah, we do 50, 50 max. That's cool. Yeah. 50. Sometimes less, but the 50 is the max that we do because if it's uh, more than 50, it would actually be cheaper to press it. Yeah. Mm. How long does it take? Is it like real time cutting? Yeah, it's real time. Yeah. Mm. It's one by one. Wow. Now that <laughs> takes time. So at 50 is. And it's something really special, you know. And um, it is. we actually discussed this last week in the in the Nob Twilist thing. But the cool thing about this is, is uh, you can uh, keep on making decisions about the the sonics and the characteristics of what you're doing up to the very last moment mm. because cutting something is a process that introduces uh artifacts or effects or uh, sonic uh changes um and those can be seen as factors you can decide about so yeah. you can you can keep on shaping the sound until it's actually there on on vinyl, mm -hmm. and the whole process towards it is is just a uh, yeah a, accumulation of uh, artistic uh, decisions, and um, and it's a really satisfying process to oh, yeah, finally have the the pressing with everything you've tried, you know, during mixing or during the producing and and the the cutting um, to a point where you think, okay, this is the as best as good as, as we can get it mm. best version of what uh, what I, this idea is about is this final only basically it's on all the stuff we do here at store is streaming available available on soundcloud and youtube okay mm. length without any but not uh, on bandcamp you can't buy it uh, if you want to own it you have to buy the vinyl okay you exactly. can listen <laughs> if you want to own it you 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 buy the vinyl yeah yeah or you rip YouTube. Yeah, or you just listen to it on YouTube. That's fine. If you want a high def quality of really well cut vinyl, you yeah, have to, no, you have to buy it. But, but if, that's the thing. If you if you're saying that the vinyl cutting the vinyl is part of the process, then the, you obviously can't really sell it. Um, 
digitally or you would have to record the vinyl to get the uh, vinyl the, sounds there is a digital master for everything which we put on online mm. um, uh, and it has a different character it's yeah. uh, it's uh, almost the same but the vinyl has the final sound yeah mm. Uh, the final yeah. the final vinyl did it did it influence like this um basically what is it real time on demand um vinyl cutting did it influence the way you approach the writing process did absolutely hmm. Hmm. Uh, sonically process. technically or also uh, in in a in a creative way uh, both because you know you have 12 minutes uh, for an optimal uh, type sound so you you stay away from making 20 or 25 minute tracks which is very rare anyway um mm -hmm. but um the, the the i think the most important thing it introduces is um there is no there is no um um the only the only how do you say that the, the only criteria criterion is whether you like the music or not so there's no criterion is this mixable is this good for in a club uh, is this an a-side mm. track or a b-side track that's all out of the window mm. because um because you're not cutting for um for that audience it's um uh, you're basically making music that you want to keep and share it's and, almost like and a sell hmm? <laughs> like therapy basically yeah. <laughs> yeah, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think this is a really interesting. Um, you know, if you have you if you have your um, tracks that you that you make uh, on an EP on a for a label, whether it's your own label or somebody else's label, you th you introduce uh, restrictions because you have to sell your at least your five hundred or one thousand copies to even recoup. Mm. Um, and we don't. If we if we sell five, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that that puts puts a lot of like. Um, how would you call it innocence to freedom yeah creative yeah. freedom innocence yeah. in a way you're like okay this is it it's it's a you just make music and whenever you have this moment in the studio when you you get this goosebump moment that's the like, only this criterion. Is it. that's the only criterion whether it's dubby yeah. or it's, it's noisy or it's uh, it's danceable or not or uh, just some crazy thing uh, that just is really interesting uh, that's the only criterion it's fine you know cut mm. it done but you cut it you cut it out of um i don't know like a three four five hour long jam session you you cut parts out of it and that makes it on the vinyl or or is it is it actually tracks that you shape and create like you would i was gonna ask that yeah it comes because together think... as, it comes together during a jam Mm -hmm. And uh, you know how you jam yourself or you make tracks yourself. You have something going in a loop or you have something repetitive and um, you tweak it until you have like this aesthetic that you like, mm -hmm. the sound you like, the, the, the way the instruments work together. Um, that's, that's the moment you decide, okay, this is the basis for, yeah. for something I want to finish or continue with. Uh, and then you play it. Then you just basically... Um, the way I worked is usually I I try to find all the variations, all the possibilities within that setup, within that uh, w just to find out about the range of the of the track. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Just see see from where yeah where it goes, what is the range, what can you do to make it interesting, and mm. uh, once you find uh, a few combinations, it can either be the end result could either be a combinations of some 
moments during the jam or it can be a moment where everything flowed really nicely for about six seven or eight minutes and, and then just top, top and tail it and maybe make an intro or an outro sometimes it's it's as simple as just fade it in and fade it out right. and other times it's you know something which is a bit more produced or uh uh yeah just a little but you little jam bit. you jam multi-track anyways right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so technically you can edit it yeah you can edit mm -hmm. it. Yeah. yeah do you do you edit some do you edit? Do you cut some out and like? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. It's not. It's not a dogmatic process. It's just a way to get to generate uh, quick material. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just a quick way of working because if you record four or five hours, usually there's four or five tracks in there. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good and, ratio. Yeah, right? <laughs> definitely. Yeah, <laughs> and then some. And then I'm I'm a bit um, easily bored, so I go for the ones that are. Um, almost done mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah that, that's that's what i um, uh, choose to for be being the end results or the the ones that and maybe i listen to it a few days later and just you know ditch some of them you know just just distill it until i find the ones yeah. that are really really lasting and uh relevant. distill distill is actually a, a very nice description of 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 the process you're doing there i think you can really like condense and distill it and then you you know, just technically an hour later, you have it in your hands. And mm -hmm. um, I think that is a really pure moment. And um, I mean, yeah, like you said, you when you when you have a commercial release uh, on your own or on another label, there is what, like, definitely a few months involved from, mm -hmm. okay, this is the music. And when it hits the stores, that's why I... I, I mean, Blawan, for example, he has he has one of these cutting machines as well. I'm, I don't yeah, know he's which got the same one. Yeah, he's got the same one. He's got the same one. Actually, I talked to him about this last week. And he <laughs> he he can he can cut it, take it to his next gig, and mm -hmm. play it out. And maybe it makes it on a let's call it a commercial release or not. But um, um, I mean, we could technically also do that with you know, files and play it. Uh, on the you, do you play your, these tracks in your sets? Sometimes, not very often. I don't like to mm. play my own music in uh, Me neither. my sets. <laughs> very rarely do. <laughs> um, what I'm curious about is the mix down. Do you, because, okay, you bo you're jamming. Do you also the same time focus on the mix down? Uh, yeah. On the goal. That it sounds the levels. Uh, you, you know, because I, I can imagine when I'm uh, uh, doing the modular and patching and everything, and I'm in, in the zone. Because, <laughs> because yeah. we, we did it, we did it today, like uh, like I just described. And maybe maybe you can talk about it because for me it's also yeah. What I've said yeah. today was super interesting. Watching, uh, I mean, you guys should all uh, uh, come here one day and spend the whole day with Jochem. You mm -hmm. still know it's you, you'll learn a lot and all it's together. Very, all together. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I love to. Um, yeah. And, and what, I, what I love is how, how patient he is and how he just lets things happen and flow and he just plays around with a little bit here and there. Then you end up with these couple of hours of music, multi-track, and then then he's going to hand that over to me, I guess, and then I don't know what to do with it. But <laughs> just, I'll find out. <laughs> I only have a couple of minutes that I can use for, for my No, but Sinead was, was interested in how the leveling Yeah, no, Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, um, because... I, I think ba basically what happens is that um, 
it's all live, you know, and he uses filters that have like big spikes because he has a huge resonance on top of it. Mm. He, he records everything at a, at a very conservative level. So there's, there's, there's just not going to be any clipping, but there's a, there's a lot of level differences, you know, so yeah. that's, that's, you need to do some very serious mixing, I assume. Um, yeah. Sometimes the kick is, um, is, is very hard in the mix, very loud. Sometimes you change the kick and so, what I imagine doing with this with this material is going back into the studio and listening to it, taking bits and pieces that are like, and then just remix the whole thing, you know, try to EQ maybe some some bits that needs like the frequency ranges. There's, there's not done any, like no mixing choices have really been made other than just a level. Yeah, the, mm. le the level is basically happening while you are um, jamming because you, there is already the way the recordings turned out there's already like a blueprint for the mix because yeah. um, you level things on the ear while it's playing. And so I don't make any adjustments in the door or in, in the, in the recording. Um, mm -hmm. so all the levels are set basically on, on the machines uh, going into the computer. So do you already get like, it's like not, it's not the um, technically the most uh, proper way to record it because some of it gets recorded like minus 20 db or something and but in mm -hmm. the end yeah, i don't know yeah, i think this I, doesn't I really matter like, right? yeah. Yeah. if you talk to like um really um dogmatic engineers they would say you have to record it a few dbs louder you know to get mm. i don't know the perfect ratio between mm. yeah. whatever but uh but yeah that's not it's not the but music. i think that's part of it right yeah but the music right. is not suffering from it so that's the way i work here yeah so yeah. basically you, you adjust during the the jam session you you okay it's too loud you you not adjust that, i think right did you do that like adjust not the levels on the machines yeah but not not in the in the no in no the, in the no. oh okay in, in the, the recording oh, yeah. Hearing. Ah, yeah. okay yeah yeah input levels in the in the recording it's it is just uh, the output level of a synth or uh, yeah. a, a chain that is going into a channel I mean, I guess Do you have you guys... some kind of limiters? No. No. Just purely coming in. Yeah, no compression. Com yeah, no compression either. Sometimes preamps or or uh, mix mixed. Uh, how do you say the channel channel strips and stuff like that mm -hmm. going into the into the computer? But some is some of it is going straight in without any treatment. Some of it is going through uh, a channel strip, or so you have some access to EQ or mm -hmm. uh, gain and whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Depends on what what the instrument is and how it sounds going into the computer. Um, yeah. So there's always, usually there's a chain going on before it hits the input of the computer. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not the first time that you guys are writing music, right? So you, you are in a room that I believe sounds good. Right. And, and so you can, you can, you, you you're doing a line check. You're mixing on the fly. Exactly. I mean, you're not boosting the, the low end to the max mm. and like hitting the red and like make, make the, the interface clip. I mean, you're, you are mixing in a certain way, which might technically be not the perfect way that, an, you know, a book would tell you to how to mix it and how to record it, but you have a feeling to it. And um, I think these are very often when I, when I, when I, because I do this when I write music, I'm kind of like already parallel to the creative process to the mixing process in a way. Yeah. I do mm -hmm. compression, I do EQing on like parallel to it. And when I, then I have kind of like a rough cut, like a rough mix. And very often when I then decide to mix it down, 
I do not use the mix down I was trying to like get perfect. I'm like, no, actually I like the rough cut much more because mm -hmm. it has this, it has more of this the feeling. demo syndrome yeah the, yeah and then but but the, <laughs> but but the but the but the, um, the the approached mix downs are actually very important because then you're like no i think i like the early version so mm -hmm. i very often like now nah, i spend a whole day mixing this track but i'm not using what i just did i use mm -hmm. the old version question, question to all of you do you mix for technical accuracy or for vibe do you mix on both for technical accuracy technical, or like like the way it's supposed to sound the, the way it's supposed to sound or, uh, or vibe like even even if it's technically uh, not accurate you know maybe too much like a kick with no attack or you know just stuff which is uh, not done i do both yeah, both. Oh, yeah okay, okay. vibe and it also has to sound good basically the ears I mean, I use my ears. That is the I don't follow rules or whatever. As it sounds good, then uh, yeah, and the vibe, both. Yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly the thing. Um, what I what I meant. Sometimes when you try to mix something technically correct, the whole vibe of the exactly. track falls into yeah. parts, and because yeah. there is this one resonance, maybe or this whatever the inner in. in accuracy that yeah. actually is the, the backbone of the track yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like, yeah. and then it's like it's gone and, yeah, um, yeah. this is also like why i'm struggling with like if the labels are trying to send your music to someone else to mix them it's mm. very tricky because they they will cut off these frequencies that, that, you that like. mean so much to you. <laughs> they mean so much to you and all of a sudden they're gone yeah, because yeah. someone thinks that they're wrong, but actually for you, they're not wrong. They're yeah. supposed to be there. So, I mean, it also, that also makes a difference to, I think, um, an, a mixing engineer that is kind of like a passive um, entity that is like, okay, I think I know what she was trying to approach. But and I keep the overall vibe, but there are some some things that maybe can actually highlight what you were trying, you know, mm. to achieve, I don't know, like a, a, a higher dynamic range or, you know, whatever. But when same with mastering, when they get too um, too creative in a certain way, I think that is well, that's at least my opinion. That's not what should you know be there or what is not the job of an engineer um because yeah you you spend you spend time shaping this the sonic aesthetic of a track so why why do they take that away you know that's that's not mm. the purpose i think also when you listen to these old records like where they the people didn't have the capacities that we had but they still sound sick so yeah they sound like that they sound that sick because they are so maybe imperfect i mean i listen yeah, yeah. to yeah I Sorrow to, I, and I, I listened to speedy's um uh, panic earlier today right mm. and mm. um i don't know that that was actually a question i had in mind because i was like kind of like preparing with like everyone's kind of like vibe and all that Ooh, and i was like research. oh yeah of course because i think <laughs> i think that is that that vibe of this track i don't know if people 
might look it up on YouTube or something, but this is this is a really raw and like honest and straightforward. Would you would you would you be able or would you would you approach a, a I mean I don't know how you recorded that track back in the days, but would you approach that project the same way today than you did uh, back in the days? No, no, absolutely not. But that it's that's true for everything uh, I think we all do. If you do something, uh, that's what we, we, we touched on this earlier. You draw the line at some point and then you are temporarily satisfied um, and uh, you move on to the next thing. Uh, if you would go back to it a year later, it, mm. you, uh, you would ditch certain things and yeah. approach, uh, things in a different way because that's the 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 look on it that you have at that point. And I think mm. that changes all the time. But could you technically, like in a technical sense, do a track like Panic, but I still own, in 2020? I still, I, I still own all the equipment that I used to do that track. So I guess I could, mm. but I wouldn't. <laughs> It's like would 19, why, would, why would you not? Why would you not? Why would I have been there? Don't yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's a that's a that's a that's a fair point. That's a really fair point. Yeah. It's I, like uh, ninety-seven, right? I kind I kind of asked the same question. Uh, I was actually more into the other side. Panic is the B side. Panic is the B side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was I was always a big fan of um, of, of G Spots uh, Jochen's uh, album, yeah. and I yeah. still am today. Uh, actually, for my fabric mix, I, I, I licensed one of the tracks on there, um, and I asked him like uh, you know because because I know he does a lot more um, like less less melodic things nowadays. So I was wondering like is that something you would ever go back to? What did you say again? It was I don't uh, know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't think it was that was interesting question. <laughs> I mean, isn't that true for for? All of us, I guess, if you once you are you done with it. track, yeah. why would you ever try to do the same thing? That's not what it's about. I mean, yeah. but there's 13 years in between. Is it 13 years? It's no, how many? 23. 30, 23, 23 years ago. 23. So, so, so wouldn't it be, you know, sometimes wouldn't what would it would it could it bring something to your to your approach these days? That you, you that you were like, you know, using or like the techniques or equipment that you were using back in the days and the approach of writing music like Panic, and you would take that into 2020. Could that something? Could that give something to your 2020 alter ego in a positive mm. way? Even though you have been there before and you did that and you you are somewhere else, but take this 23 years back vibe. <laughs> And do no, I'm not. No. Too, I'm not absolutely. I I hate looking back. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say something really hardcore. Techno is not about the past; it's about the future. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's that's true. Oh. <laughs> no, but, but you it's, have... it's 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 interesting that you bring this up. But I get also often tracks, you know, tracks that's been a hit, been a classic, or whatever. And people still want you to make the same thing, but you yeah. that was that moment. You move on and you discover other things. You don't want to always play, make the same track uh, like you did before. And, and understand that people love that sound, you know, but as an artist, you want to uh, develop, uh, find new inspiration and don't stay stuck in, in the same, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That's how I see it. Yeah, but you basically sum it up. It's it's. Um, uh, I think I think the most motivation, the 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 biggest motivation for me, and I guess that's true for everybody who is dealing with with me making music uh, as a career or even as a serious thing in your life. Um, it's about the exploration. It's not really about. Um, doing one thing really well it's about trying to find out what else you can do with with your uh, mm. skills and maybe go on a on a journey find out uh, mm. what, if i go into this direction what would happen if yeah. i go in that direction uh how would it turn out and or it, it could be something which is very conceptual like uh, designing a system or um doing a conceptual thing from the start and and see what what happens uh, because it's always going to bear your signature anyway, because it's you doing it. Mm. Um, but I don't think um, it's fun uh, and even possible to do the same thing twice. I mean, I mean, mm. let's let's give me let's let me give an give me an example. If we all we all have the, the situation where you are working on something and then you get a crash, mm. right? You lose the work that you just done. And you were really into it and you were like, oh, shit, what is easier? Is it easier to trying to recreate the exact same thing or is it is it just better to just say, okay, fair enough? Something new. Yeah, something yes. new. But you, I, I think guess it's the second one, right? It's Yeah, it's the second would, one. But you, it, lose, it, you lose the, the, the whole excitement. You lose the excitement of the moment. And that's what it's about. Music is basically just using your voice in with you know equipment, yeah. and and if you uh, if you don't get the excitement of the performance or the the heat of the moment, then it's just, just going to be shit. Mm. Yeah, but you would take let's say your project crashes, but none of us would be completely wiped in the brain. You would you would instinct you would automatically kind of like refer to what you have done. Like a few minutes ago, you would well, you maybe can, you, use... you can you can retain the excitement and and use it in something else, but to recreate the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, that's that's it's yeah. way harder than just yeah yeah ride on the wave of the excitement and start yeah. something new. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I and um when I when I when I ask you about panic, I was not kind of like um thinking of that you could replicate that. But I was more speaking about the vibe of this track, the kick drum, like the driven sound, the reverby sound, not copying you. I mean, that is, you, you, you did, like you said, you did that, you've been there, but the approach to it, the, mm -hmm. the, um, the vibe to it, the color of the track, the, the, the feel of it. That's what I more meant. Not that you're, you, you're talking about the aesthetic more than than yeah the yeah. Music. But 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 it is. But the aesthetic is a ninety ninety seven aesthetic, for sure. Because you you were approaching it with the technical equipment you had back then. Mm -hmm. Now fast forward twenty three years later. I'll tell you something funny. I've used the first um, period of the the lockdown time uh, to go through all the DAT tapes and old. CDRs and backups and everything and, and uh, see if it was still readable and luckily most of it was um, but I found a lot of uh, original recordings uh, unmastered ones and um, they sound from the CDs and DAT tapes they sound more um, natural and uh, even more defined 
than the mastered versions that came out on on the vinyl and CDs. So what you were saying, um, all the stuff that was done on was released on, for example, Warp and Nova Mute was mastered by a certain mastering engineer, and um, they have their they did have their sound and some of the uh, equipment they used back in the day were Gave very early were very early uh, A to D conversion converters with very sort of infant technology. Mm. Yeah. And and they actually downgraded the sonics <laughs> of, the, of the music. So I found a lot of recordings like like from the panic time you're talking about that sounds way more hi-fi and way oh, wow. more defined and way, way more uh, uh, yeah uh, yeah defined and, and, mm. and more fidelity mm. than the recordings that you that's were talking interesting about. yeah so if i if you would master it if you would master that original recording with the mastering technology of today it would actually sound like a 2000 track or 2020 track mm. instead of a 1990s track that's interesting mm. I think, uh, what, what what i do notice nowadays is that music sounds very different than, uh, than 25 years ago mm. i feel the vibe of techno is very different there's a lot of um a lot of people are using um modular synths you know which creates very different music than when you use a jv 1080 or a d50 or a 303 or a 909 it's it's much more organic in a way and linear than the 90s where i feel a lot of music of course, many exceptions, and there was a lot of linear music as well. But there was also a lot of a lot more written music. Nowadays, I feel music is not really written. Techno is not written; it's just mm. made, mm. it's generated, with the help of 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 equipment. But no one's really, or not so many people are actually writing uh, anything. You know, it's just sounds and things. And I think that's a very different approach than um, which which leads to totally different music than than the 90s. But is the is the the, um, mm. the technicality or like the the equipment somehow then um, the driving force of all this because I was thinking about I think so, I have yeah. it I have it right in front of me the electron equipment you know I think what was the Roland series the <clears throat> TR series back in the days defining a techno sound is what the electron machines are doing in the I don't know. What, since when are they out there? Um, mm. Because the kick drums are the kick drums of an analog rhythm. And um, I think that puts techno or electronic music been made with these machines already into a corset of what these instruments make us do with it. That's, that was always my approach. I try to 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 own the machines instead of the machines own me yeah and, mm -hmm. and <laughs> you know kind of like you i mean obviously these are the bases we have this is the sonic the source but they're not guiding my process i'm guiding the process and i do things that people maybe would not do but that kind of like shapes the sound and very often i think people are using the the, um, the the stock sounds of the machines and then like what you said they just fabricate and they uh, you use the term that was actually pretty pretty accurate instead of writing a track and um, I think that comes with the technicality and the format and the vision of where it should be played in a way 
That's why I also think it is good to do something that is not meant for the dance floor. It is good to go a totally different path and then at some point later come back to something that, yeah, by accident is a dance floor track where you maybe was not intending to go. <clears throat> I think it's really personal, eh? because what for someone is, uh, means writing, it means different for someone else. And it's a very uh, music to 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 create to uh, to make music is such a personal thing. And it's all very difficult to even judge about it because it's an emotional thing. And uh, the beauty is what you said about that you are the one who shaping the sound and that and not machines. Uh, uh, how you say Shape that? Yours, yeah. Go the other way around. Yeah. That that is the beauty that you can create something. And 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 and, uh, and uh, how you say that? Uh, have a certain ideas or vision or inspiration. So it's really talking about music. Basically, I don't like too much to talk in details about music because it's so personal, mm. and it's about emotion, it's about feelings, and it's about yeah, what happens internal but also external. And it's yeah, to grasp it in words, it's yeah, it's very. Um, how you say that? It's very personal. Yeah, yeah it's very personal. Yeah. But on the other hand, I mean... Each have a different process. Yeah? Each person has a different process, a different way of working. And of course, so, interested to talk about the technical side, because it's interesting to see how people work and how to make everything work. But at, at the end, it's the feeling and the emotion and, yeah... But I don't think it really matters actually how you make the music. I think that's it's very interesting from many 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 ways. But I think what's what's also very important is the final listening experience um, because that's the that's the one thing that lasts in the end. Um, do you do you guys like uh, do you listen to uh, some type of music to get inspired from it before playing? Do you do something like this or do you you're just <laughs> like, listen to music before before doing a DJ yeah, set. Yeah, listen. No, not a DJ set. Like oh, um, making music. Uh, making music. Do you do you take some kind of inspiration, or do you like purposely go listen to some um, person? Actually, no, not really. But there's a lot of music that does inspire me when mm -hmm. when I'm listening to it. When I'm like, yeah, wow, this 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 really sounds amazing. And it's usually not not necessarily techno music. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I I don't know I'm 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 a bit retro sometimes my my the, <laughs> my my big love, <laughs> you know, like my, I, think I I I grew up in the 90s listening to uh, I grew up in the 80s but I started listening to electronic music in the 90s and I still think the best the best time in in for me personally in music has been 94 90 till 96 97 I think there's I think um, the the music has a lot of tactile. There's a lot of warmth in the music. Mm. Um, people mastered by that time their their odd instruments. Um, everything sounds so much better than when it was made in '91. Um, and I think for me, there's a lot of inspiration um, because you can. There's really a lot of layers in the music, and you can define each each mm. layer. And for some reason, this is this is something I really like as well. Um, I think in, in music nowadays, like everything is very blended. Um, mm. It's hard to hear what's coming from True. where. There's, there's there's a lot of processing going True. on. 
um, which which I find really amazing as well. Um, but when I I find it more difficult to latch onto that that kind of sound, where to be like, oh yeah, that sounds really amazing because it's gone before you know before you can even identify what you're listening to. Um, that's yeah. that's one answer. I think another answer for me would be that I'm working on this new mixity, which is. Um, there's more than a hundred tracks, I think, in there. That's because I, for me, it's very boring to just mix one track into the next and then have twelve tracks in the end. That that's something that I, I find don't find any inspiration. But what I've been listening to and been using a lot for my mix is a lot of ambient sounds, droney stuff, a lot of like dry, mm. uh, dry beats. I think someone like Rico, for instance, is an amazing, amazing artist who has very like layered, uh, percussive uh, and, and minimal sounding tracks. Um, a lot of artists I've just discovered through this this whole process, just taking things from here and there. Mm. And I think that's it has in like in, in uh, it has also inspired me personally to make music, kind of on top of that sometimes. And then mm. I kind of make music for a specific part of the mix, and that becomes something. Um, this has been a bit of a new way of mixing, but that's as far as I would say um, it would be me listening to other people's music to get into the mood. Mm. What so about yourself, is... Nene? Nene uh, actually, quite uh, quite the same. Uh, I mean, I have also. It depends on like what what I am at that moment searching for. And sometimes my brain thinks more analytically than I'm more like into analyzing and trying to understand what the person is doing. But sometimes I'm more in like um, I'm more into the feeling of it and try to maybe even uh, imitate the feeling of it. Yeah. But in different kind of genre, maybe and um, just get inspired of either the sound or this, um, the character of something. Because sometimes if I feel lost, um, these um, artists, they can also like give me some kind of direction or like some kind of motivation back into what I'm doing. Yeah, I think that's something yeah. that, that people who are not working with music uh, for a lot of their time, uh, find hard to um, grasp, you know, that um, aesthetics from something which is a totally different genre can be applied to something in across, totally across another genre or an aesthetic or a feeling or a mood or an emotion. Um, and even across disciplines, I would say, not mm -hmm. necessarily only from music to other music, but also to, you know, from uh, visual arts or whatever expression forms of expression there are to to music and the other way around um yeah uh, so yeah instead of um having you know, listening to music uh, to get inspiration for your own music uh, doesn't necessarily always have to be like that it could also be something which is completely from a different discipline or a different art form or True. Uh, another thing that happens in your life whatever it's uh, yeah. uh it can be transposed or transferred to um to music or audio i think mm. it's, it you know it's all inter interchangeable but that would all go in a certain um sense of like more subconscious i think because 
I, I personally try to avoid listening to, I don't know, techno before hitting the studio because I don't want to be biased in a certain way. Mm. Um, because I think, I mean, you can have references, but how, mm. how fast becomes a reference actually uh, not a copy, but, you know, you maybe it's too much, it's uh, too big of a reference, right? So, Something can be a technical reference without ever uh, being uh, a copy. Yeah, it could just be finding out about the acoustics of a room, or it could be something about uh, a level of something, a level of a certain instrument, or you know, some just, sort of reverb. Yeah, or just like some a, sort of exactly. like a technical, just a technical reference. Yeah. 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 I think I I don't think it's wrong to get inspired though. So I th I think it's really good to get inspiration from other people's music. But what I always, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, I wish I, w I would have written that track or, or something <laughs> really inspires me. And then maybe I do hit the studio or actually when I'm listening to music or watching a movie and I hear something and I'm in the plane, I just just like turn off the movie and I start making music or but very quickly within minutes, like it's already something else, you know, mm -hmm. so it starts yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And like, yeah, and then True. and I think that's an amazing thing, too, where you, you might think that you're going to do something almost like a, a copy or something but you know your brain just works differently and that's that's what's great yeah. great about creativity is that it goes really fast yeah, and you, you can just take so many turns and you will take so many turns because that's true. how you actually create music um yeah but are you but i th i think you have to be um you have to be aware of the process because if you are unaware of the process of the like inspiration and stuff true. um then you can you can you can use what you what you said like an inspiration in a way that your music is benefiting from it, but when you I mean, well that's a bit hard to describe. But why do people? I wouldn't say they do it on purpose, but sometimes you're like, okay, this is this is a this is a copy of something, right? Mm. This is a copy. How does that actually happen? Because for me, in, in my in my in my process, something like a copy could never happen because it's all original material. Yeah, um, is it sampled? Is it like like play, straight up just like okay, I do it exactly like that. I have this reference track. I do you know I copy I copy the sounds, or is it accident? You know, you know that's what I'm what I'm what I'm often wondering about sometimes when it possible. when it refers when you're like oh this sounds like ba 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 ba. Um, is it inspiration or is it a is it a, a clone or a, a, a ripoff? You know, I don't know. The the thing is, for instance, when you're studying composition in a, a conservatory, uh, you're also supposed to imitate the composers that are before you, <laughs> before making your. There is a lesson for this. Like this is basically like you, uh, you take the Bach inventions, Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay, cool. You take the inventions, you first of all note all of the notes that he wrote, and then you kind of do your own interpretation from it. So it's like a Bach piece that you made yourself. <laughs> so uh, basically, it's also um, the imitating, like it, the, it starts from imitating. So I, in the beginning, honestly, I also didn't see anything wrong with it uh, for learning process to be able to analyze the sound and try to imitate, like, how can I make this happen? But any time that I tried also to make like a perfect imitation, it never worked. It, I always landed at some another place where it didn't sound like the 
um, original thing at all, which was also actually kind of like um, fail in a, in the end mm. because I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I failed ripping it off. You know, it's just like yeah. I mean, you're, no. you're talking you're talking about exercises that can be helpful in yeah. in, in doing the the, the the thing that you're eventually after, and that is finding your voice. Yeah, that is the thing that we're all looking for. We're all finding our voice, and um, uh, yeah, you can do it through. Um, finding inspiration in other mu other people's music or uh, even other people's aesthetics or whatever mm. uh, but eventually what you are looking for is your version your your variation on something that is i mean we've all none of us have invented music right i mean it's it's all exactly, it's, yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. all like a, standing on the shoulders of the pe people who came, be who came before, before us and and mm -hmm. making your own interpretation and finding your voice to to express yourself, I think that's the the thing we're all doing. Mm. In the end, the, right? The, the nice yeah. thing what you say about the voice, because uh, finding your voice for me uh, to produce music was like, oh, I'm missing a voice. So mm. uh, for me, it was like I I need to put my voice in it because I'm missing voice. Uh, yeah, I miss my voice. Hmm. So it was not like um, I, I had to. It was more an urge to 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 let uh, yeah. Yeah, to let let the, the people know, the world, the listeners, that there's also a different sound. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. my my urge Your was not sound. Like to sound sound like, uh, for example, Jeff Mills or like uh, Speedy J or Yours Vaughn, but just to have a Shinudu identity. It may sound different. And maybe people won't understand, or they do understand, but it was like, okay, this is my voice out there, mm. you know, to yeah. add something, to get, uh, how do you say that? Um, um, yeah, to add, to add an, another voice, something different. Mm -hmm. But it's still in electronic music. Huh? Yeah, I think, I think in the end, that's, uh, we're all doing that. I mean, yeah. Um, I think, I think. <laughs> Let's say hi to uh, Colleen. She's a good point. Failed copy is innovation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. What I think is really interesting in music history. Uh, I know Jochen likes to look at the past, at uh, the future, and not not in the past. But if you listen to, uh, I was I was sitting in the car the other day and we were listening to Spotify and then then I was like I was telling my wife like oh I think this track must have been made in '91 uh, and she's like oh how do you know and I'm like oh I think it's because the, because of the the way the drum programming is done and then she's like oh what about this track and I'm like and oh, I think that's '87 and then we did like five tracks or something and then I was I was all right not to say not, I'm not trying to brag but what I mean is that you know there's always a zeitgeist. In music, um, mm -hmm. maybe now there's less True. of a zeitgeist than there was at the time when, for instance, musical equipment was innovated. Um, when the, when all, for instance, if you take all the Roland stuff, which was always so influential, every single time there was a new Roland piece. I can't, I don't say this because I was around, but I can listen back to that. The, the, these uh, pieces of, of equipment were used in a certain way by by everyone basically, and then there was something else, and that led to another kind of sound. Um, and everyone was listening to everyone else, and everyone just made it a little bit different. And this is kind of how things evolved. Maybe nowadays there's so much stuff 
and there's nothing that really makes makes one sound so um and everyone is using everything mixed even we together we use like basically only old crap um but i think this has always been very dominant and very important in uh, in music history mm. and then it's, it's not a problem when something sounds like something else you know it's it's just uh it's a zeitgeist, which is which is a beautiful thing as well. And also, people want to be able to understand the music. That don't that that's also very important. That people are used to something. So, if something else sounds a bit like it, but it sounds a bit different as well. Then it's interesting. If it sounds completely out there, you're probably going to have a smaller audience that's going to be able to to relate to it. Mm-hmm. And if it's the, an exact copy of something else, then no one will appreciate it. So, there's a there's a very interesting balance. Talking it's about awesome. old yeah. crap, actually. Is there any new crap that is striking <laughs> you these days going to um, kind of like a more knob twiddler kind of situation? Is there, is there any piece, any gear, any manufacturer? We spoke about modular, but is there anything that is like not a Roland, not a Juno, not a Jupiter, not whatsoever a pro one i think this is the golden age for for new equipment right now yeah. for new hardware there's i don't think there's been any time that um, is more yeah it has been that when there's been more variation and more innovation and uh uh new things than in the last seven years and I, it's only been increasing for the last couple of years it's crazy there's so many new things so many new yeah. pieces of gear approaches um Small manufacturers mm-hmm. tra- taking big risks and chances and doing completely out of the box uh, projects. I think that it's it's a really good time if you're into hardware. This is this is fucking yeah. crazy. It's a golden age, absolutely. Is there anything that that really sticks out in this like um, hardware no, jungle? No, you answer the question. Hmm? You answer the question. I answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to be honest that I uh, started looking into the box recently a lot because I I set up a little corner here in my apartment and I couldn't bring all the gear from the studio. So I am enjoying a lot of plugins actually these days mm. I, um, I yes yesterday I got for the first time I got push from Ableton that is just a sequencer, obviously, but um, it allows me to do something that I have I haven't done before. So I kind of like find inspiration in in the digital VST and sequencer world at the moment, because I have exposed myself to hardware quite a lot. I mean, I I, um, I would say that I have a I have a, a special connection to also older machines. I like the 606 a lot, obviously 808 and, you know, but um, um, at the moment I am very impressed by the digital uh, sphere these days because, um, yeah, that was, that's an approach I haven't, I haven't really looked into. That's why I mm. feel, I feel really inspired in, 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 in this, in, in, by, by this and, um, yeah. That's also, you know, lockdown, lockdown driven. I, uh, I had to. You so know. so yeah. name, name one They're of the, your new secret weapons then. I, wanna, I like I the names. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's also a replica, actually, but it's the GeForce Oddity 2. That's a, a, a VST I'm really enjoying these days. It's like a super fat. What is it? Is it an ARP? 
clone or whatever. Right. Uh, um, G-Force? The G-Force, the, um, the Oddity 2. That one I really like. It's super, it's like, it's a really cool, cool synthesizer. And um, I like drum kits, um, the, the, the Max drum kits, I like them a lot in Ableton. And it's perfect with, with, with the push. And um, that's what I have been, been um, digging into the past five, six days. I think it really depends also on the kind of music that you make. If it's really, because because all these VSTs they can make almost anything as well these days. Even if you just use a Juno uh, uh, emulation, you can put like a million effects on it, and it sounds like nothing within a few minutes. No, nothing, nothing like it, you know. Uh, for instance, I, um, I, I I'm using the Arturia V collection quite a lot these days which are all rep replicas of the um, classic instruments, and they're, they're amazing. But if you listen to all their own presets, they're out of this world. They're like mm. completely nothing like something the original machine could even do. So I think there's, there's a lot of interesting um, things that can be done in the digital world that, that where it almost doesn't really matter, like unless you're doing some really weird, glitchy stuff that mm. um, that needs to come from some kind of strange digital source hmm. but yeah like, yeah these vst things nowadays um it's good it's shit out there yeah but it's a lot it, it, yeah, too the, much. sometimes <laughs> the danger is because there's so much uh out there that you can get lost and uh lost in the way because there's so much and sometimes if you limit it or focus on it's better too then you you get more creative than uh yeah i think also they're, they're too complicated often like it's just mm. just too many yeah, there's too much too many things you can press and sliders and yeah. you, you can't mm. press them with your hands you have to do it with your mouse yeah. so I, I i lose interest very quickly in trying to to understand uh, jupiter 8 or the arp 2600 on as a vst because it's too complicated mm. yeah, yeah um i'm curious about how many hours you spent in the studio um because i mean you know, it's so much fun, but it sometimes takes a toll on the physical level, sitting for hours or watching the screen for hours. Your eyes get tired. I recently bought a glasses for for the blue light. Yeah, I mean, I noticed now many years. I mean, back in the days, I spent like eight hours. I could sit sometimes seven, eight hours without, you know, really uh, yeah behind uh yeah but behind the screen so i noticed physical uh, pro uh, problems like you know sitting um muscle uh, pain or the posture you're like sitting mm. you know with the mouse or um you gotta so, stand uh, up for me yeah yeah, yeah. yeah stand jam up. standing yeah but yeah. You know, in in the long run then yeah. you adjust like taking breaks or uh work out um yeah so i'm curious how I think today uh, we didn't really spend any time at the screen is no it, is, is it, it the most time we spend on the screen <laughs> i think yeah for, as far as this place goes there is no no fixed position you're always walking around getting you know plugging things and getting mm -hmm. gears lugging gear around so i don't think that's uh, that's uh, i spend lots of hours here and i never I'm never in the same position for more than uh, one minute <laughs> so yeah. it's 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 more like a it's almost a, I would say it's a physical job, but there's a lot of moving around and 
uh, today, uh, Joris uh, came, he requested, or not requested, <laughs> but he talked about uh, how can we get this particular sound of this blah, 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 old record. And I happen to know how it, how that was made. Um, and it was done with um, one of these old uh, WaveStation AD uh, module, you know, units. Uh, that's basically the WaveStation without the keyboard, uh, which had audio inputs. And I still own one, and it's sitting in the bottom of one of the racks here. <laughs> so I stepped in front of the <laughs> of this machine in a, wow. in a like lotus lotus uh, <laughs> position with a with a lamp like this. Uh, because <laughs> the display, display was uh, was giving That's out so giving nice. up. So I was like yeah. down on the floor for for like half an hour trying to program this thing. Uh, but that happens all the time here. Um, you can walk around everything. You can behind. You can go behind every rack, every thing that's here. Uh, so it's a, it's a very physical. Hmm. That experience. keeps you. Yeah. 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 But how do you do that with the sound? If I may inter interfere with the the question, how do you have multiple um, speaker um, pairs yeah, set up? Is there is there are there are multiple speakers but the main ones that's the pretty much the the ones i always use for everything they carry the sound pretty much throughout the whole room oh, wow. they're mm -hmm. like uh, the, big, the big size pmcs and then mm -hmm. there's the 21 inch uh, sub and so Adam's you have sub. a good sound anywhere in the yeah room. it carries it carries pretty much throughout the throughout the room and it's it's in between uh it's it's basically mastering grade uh, uh um replication but if you play it loud, uh, if you're more back in the room, it feels like a, a small wow. PA. But it's you, not loud. Do you play it out loud, or are you more like producing no, and like? Loud. It's not loud, but it's good, it doesn't really volume. matter where you are in the room. You can still get a very good picture of what what, mm. this, what you're actually doing. So you don't have to be in one sweet spot, and the rest of the room sounds like shit. It sounds Terrible. pretty much yeah. the same throughout the whole. It's like yeah, thirty meters from the nice. from there to behind and it mm. you can you can kind of get it everywhere uh, without uh, um, totally misguessing what's going on mm. i like recording in club volume i need that <laughs> club volume, but, it, but it has body you know it's not yeah. um, it's not weak it, it still has a, a, a yeah body to it mm. yeah yeah because that is that is often what 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 i think is a bit of a when you have a big studio with a lot of gear, you're like walking to that one end and you're like, yeah, but now I don't really get the vibe anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wow. you go back and then you're like, ah, then you need to go back to the other side. So, yeah, yeah I think the acoustic situation in, 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 in a large place like you have, because I was wondering, maybe you have like different like um, monitor settings on the mixing board that like on a band for like on a stage for a band for example yeah i have a matrix switcher where i can switch between three pairs but uh, pretty much the only other two pairs they are basically only used for reference so the main the main ones are the ones that are always on and if i were to really quickly just switch to a different uh, reproduction pair? yeah yeah I, I can but it's just for a few seconds or maybe a few minutes and then i switch back to the main back page. to the main ones yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm -hmm. pretty good what about you all you do you have yeah. a you, really? how do you monitor oh monitor oh yeah <laughs> i mean how do you how do you judge what you're doing do you do, oh do you i, I, I still was with the question about how you um 
Um, surviving long yeah, sessions. Yeah, in the oh, studio. Sorry, sorry. Ah, that one <laughs> hour. Yeah, we so have two really questions curious. now. Yeah, I was curious. We have yeah. two Nene, questions. How, how, you, uh, how do you... Uh... So, uh, answer, uh, first answer to the first question. Uh, what was it, huh? About the health thing. Um, so, if I... Like, I, I do a lot of yoga. Normally, so, you're like... Even though I haven't done it since a month i haven't done it i've been lazy but normally i do yoga so physically i'm okay with it but mentally uh sometimes i can focus only one hour then it's only one hour i have to accept the way it is and i don't like i used to push a lot and then but i realized that it's psychologically affecting me a lot when i'm pushing myself to do a lot more than what i can at that day so if I'm feeling like I'm just going to jam for one hour or produce for one hour and I cannot hear anything more, then I just let it be at that moment. It's mm-hmm. just better for my psychology, I think. But physically, I don't have, like, I could go 10 hours just standing, sitting, no problem. Lying down, <laughs> I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and second then, with the sound oh, oh, second. Um, yeah second question the, uh, the sounds I mean I don't have really good sound in here but I'm trying to do my best I'm just uh, like comparing the tracks the the tracks that I know that are sounding really well and the with the tracks that I am mixing in the end and trying to find like a good balance but actually my my like Monitors are really cheap and <laughs> like headphones to, to judge it. Also use I also use the headphones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I also use the headphones. Yeah. Just to check. I have two two very cheap monitors and I check on both of them plus uh, the headphones. And I have like a because you get used to even if it's like a cheaper thing. You get used to the quality of it, and you understand it better. You can get the get the most out of it. And um, since we are also not playing and earning any money, <laughs> so I'm not planning on buying expensive stuff right now. So <laughs> I think it doesn't really matter. I mean, yes, it matters what you use, but I've made I've made music on the crappiest things, and they, they mm-hmm. still sound pretty good these days. And I've made things on crazy expensive monitors and now i'm thinking like oh what, what was i thinking sometimes when your monitoring is too good you'll also get very satisfied quite quickly because everything sounds good yeah um, work is hard that's that's my personal uh, experience yeah uh, well there's two, there's two aspects about monitoring one is hearing what you are doing just judging what you are doing and um, i think in that circumstance it's just nice it's nice to have a, a pair of speakers which which give you a pleasant sound that is enjoyable that give you enjoyable sound and then there is the technical uh, judgment like how is everything sitting in the mix how does the the whole thing hold together in in, in technical mm-hmm. terms and usually um the I, I go for the pleasant sound when i'm making music and i go for the crappy sound like uh you know, uh, just a, a small speaker, or uh, and even even the speaker in the phone or in a, uh-huh. in, in a computer uh, screen or whatever, uh, to judge how it translates as a, a sort of universal um, 
sounding thing you know how mm -hmm. it compares to to uh, all the other music which is out there if how it sits in in context of, of um how people are actually going to listen to it yeah so, that's, that's a good point yeah so so there's two yeah two ways of judging what you are doing one is the yeah. Uh, I mean, it it doesn't really make sense. To listen to laptops. Yeah, Rotat Rotat is also Rotat writing about boombox. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, the car trick. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. Exactly in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's yeah. a way to judge how yeah. it translates to to um, consumer systems. But I don't like to listen to consumer systems when I'm making music. I just want every all, all the frequencies, you know, from the very lowest sub to the highest high. Yeah. You know, just to enjoy the the sonic experience, and then after that, you kind of um, uh, tame it a little bit to make it translatable yeah. to other systems. But it's nice to enjoy it with its full full range and full dynamics. You know. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's there's then always the question also, um, like you said, where where has the music been played? So I think through your phone, through the laptop speakers, through your Sonos speaker, how, how it translates on there, can you hear the kick drum? Because um, on, an, on the PMC speakers with a nice subwoofer, yeah, you have the low end and you have, you have the top end of the kick, but does it, like you said, translate on, on an iPhone or um, earbuds on? So I think, yeah, it's really, yeah, if you, if you, if you, if you keep in mind where the music has been played, I think that is that, and you should cross-check on that, right? Hmm. I think my HD25s are my 100% best mon yeah. monitoring thing ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think everyone has no them. Yeah. Sounds really good. There's exactly, there is no device where I have listened more music on than these. These right. are 16 <laughs> fucking years old. 16 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. They work perfectly. Um, yeah. Um, I have at home uh, I have a Genelex, it's in the near field. Um, and then I have the very big ones, the 8050, and they can go really, really hard. But I use them not that often. I use them often in the near field, and then I check it um, on, on, on the other small speakers, you know. So, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I love the Genelex, it has really good, uh, for me, very uh, uh, yeah, a clear sound. I hear the high, the mid, mm. the bass. I don't have any subwoofers, so I do everything. I'm doing mix down uh, through these speakers, and yeah, and with the mix down, I it takes like three days. So and when I do the mix down, then I wait another day. I listen again, and then mm. tweak again. Listen again, tweak again, and then. When I have a yes feeling, then it's time to go to the market. Yes feeling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I work with the yes feeling. Oh, yeah, yes I like feeling. the yes feeling. The yes feeling is the best feeling. Yes. <laughs> and with the no feeling, uh, your wife no feeling. Oh. <laughs> Not the no feeling, not the baby feeling. Yeah. The yes feeling. <laughs> the yes feeling. Uh, I'm, I'm here for the yes feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, but, she erases it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's gone. Exactly. Right. Next. Simple next. that. No. no clutter. Yeah. Go to the next one. <laughs> 
the Jochen, Jochen spoke oh, about the I very clinical um, sounding monitor speakers um, and the, the pleasant sound for writing the music and the very clinical kind of like maybe flatter sounding um, uh, speakers you 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 people or some people really enjoy mixing on very neutral and very flat sounding speakers I find that really terrible because I think there goes like a lot of like dimension goes lost I have I have the Neumann Neumann Kaha 310 the three tens and they are very they're very bassy and I think they have sometimes problems with um, accuracy of kick drums like a 909 kick drum sometimes sounds as if there's a bit phasing going on I think but they give an overall very pleasant hi-fi almost sounding feeling and I, I had a reference speaker pair like the APS and I, I couldn't use them at all because they, I was like okay so it sounds like a cardboard kind compared to the other pair. So I, ha I have only one, one pair of speakers in the studio um, because I think when you know your, like Nene mentioned, she has only a pair that might not be the, the best speaker, but when you know it, you can, you can, you can mix music and you always said that as well. You can mix music on the shittiest speaker. Oh yeah. You... Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm only talking about this because that was the subject, but I've done yeah, yeah. headphones, uh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what I was, um, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean that you kind of like, you know, but, um, my yeah, I don't want to come across a snobby about this. I, I told no, you. no, no, no. You know, no. I, I can do stuff on, on, uh, on white earbuds or whatever. It's, uh, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, it, for me, the making music is all about the excitement, not about uh, anything else. But it does make a difference if you have a pleasant listening experience. That's all. I'm oh saying. yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah, I could yeah. not. I mean, I have I, in the back. I have I have these rockets, but this is just for DJing. I could because I, I know what I have in the studio. I could not make music on these. Here I have a two like two Adam A7 like the old ones. Mm -hmm. um, these ones I find, like for producing, I find them, I don't know, it's just like a personal taste. But that doesn't mean that no one can write great music on, on, on these speakers, right? And um, I'm also, when it comes to acoustic treatment in the, in the room, I'm, I spend a lot of time on, on sorting this out, but more as a, as a personal choice instead of, okay, this is the ultimate, this is what you need to write good music. I think like Jochen, like Nene, like everyone said and agrees to, you can write music on uh, Mac Pro speakers if you, if, you, if you are in the flow. Absolutely. Um, people, we are near the two oh, hour man, mark. Two hours. I don't, I don't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we we, we just uh, keep chatting. Uh, yeah. I'm not in a hurry to do anything, um, but I don't want to waste your time if you are doing something else. But maybe um, if yeah, let me know. It's, I we can continue a little bit more. Yeah, let's give do it, uh, yeah. some word to some time for some, the the people maybe who are the, the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, I, oh yeah, there I'm were sorry a lot. we've been ignoring you people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So maybe uh, something about um, uh, that is directed to any of the, the guests who are here, like something specific you want to know. Um, I, I saw Robin. Robin asked me um, a question, and we, we spoke about it when I met him last time. Um, 
about the I have I have a pair of uh, Rupert Nee 511 preamps in the studio. Ooh, and fancy. and I've I and I I have to be honest, I think something that is we spoke about speakers doesn't matter. But I think what is um necessary for a good quality sound is the preamps mm. and also the um, there's vst preamps but that doesn't come close to the sound shaping devices that are actually robin that that are actually hey, robin. <laughs> so i'm 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 totally convinced by the by the rupert neve like in the lunchbox i have a i have a pair and i have i like them especially on on more digital synth maybe to give it because they have this silk setting you can you can mm. add, add a nice texture to it on on drums i for example like burl the burl preamps to b1d because it has this um this copper um, transformers and all that. So I think, or here I have a, I have a two preamp. I, something that I would maybe even recommend someone about hardware would be preamps first in a way. Well, I've never used any. <laughs> never. Curious. Yeah, yeah something, they, some... they do make a lot of difference. Um, mm. uh, even if it's a good quality desk preamp. Um, yeah, yeah. Not standalone, but just part of a channel strip. That's that's usually how how it gets used here. So, you know, there are different desks and different uh, channel strips, part of a desk, um, which uh, sometimes it's just part of the chain. You know, just go, go into a channel and then to a direct out and have a have the preamp. You know, with a diff you can vary the gain settings and the to get a slightly different sound. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. It's, I think it's 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 the sound shaping device, and I mean we we all have relatively good um, uh, audio interfaces, but um, and there's there's preamps in as well, right? In the the, the Fireface I have here, there's mic channels and yeah. stuff. But, yeah. But um, it's a it's there's it's good components, but a dedicated <coughs> preamp or a nice channel strip on on a mixing board. I have I have the old Midas in the studio. They have I think Bosch preamps and um, yeah you can shape sound you can drive them hot and um, something that gives aesthetic to the sound like I said with a digital sounding synthesizer you run it a little hotter to uh, through through a nice pair of preamps and it, it opens up the stereo gets nice you have you have a nicer dynamic range so preamps preamps are something I I really enjoy these days. Well, uh, I'm listening can't you, to you. Can't you just have a? I mean, can't you do the same with a, having a a, a a mixer? You know, a, oh, yeah, a yeah. mixer like Soundbath oh, yeah. or, or Mackie. There you can boost everything and, and and EQ it and have maybe the same results or not? If it's oh, it, no, oh yeah, no, no, it's like it's like with like with studio monitors. There's a there's a range from. Um, cheap to affordable to crazy expensive and what Henning is talking about now is the mm -hmm. crazy expensive stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that is expensive. 
But is it, can't you get... <laughs> yeah, dedicated pre MC. Is there a difference? I'm, I'm just asking, oh, just yeah. out of curiosity. Is there a difference? To yeah, there must be a difference because they're very different prices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, <laughs> difference in the sound. I'm talking about I would say sound. yes. I, I, I would say I yes. Think, yeah. um, I would say yes. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. I mean, a little bit off topic, but a little bit on the same topic. Uh, for the first mm -hmm. time, I feel like a real grown-up because uh, like two weeks, <laughs> two weeks ago, I went to the hi-fi store to buy myself like a decent hi-fi system for the first time in my mm -hmm. life. I just, went there. I, just went, <laughs> I just went there to upgrade to buy some Sonos speakers and I walked out with a, with a lot more. And I have to say, I was listening, listening to only the difference in, in amplifiers. I would have been the most skeptical guy to, to show me any of this. And it was a world of difference between, let's say, a thousand euros amplifier only and 2000 amplifiers. So I think the same works with preamps. There, there's a lot more dynamic... Um, I don't know about them, them range, but it just colors the, the music and, and definition is just different. I assume I don't have so much mm. experience with these things, but I think there, there must be. Uh, the question I do do have though is like if this difference is something you can also replicate with with all the all the the VSTs that I have in my mm. in my Ableton, you know, from UAD. Yeah, but that's to, that's already yeah, yeah. then it's already in the box. Preamps yeah. are are yeah, there no, I understand. Before you go into the box, I know, but yeah. I'm, I mean, when it comes, the final the, the idea is that the final result is what counts. So mm. I don't really care if it, if I get it through running it through a preamp or just getting it through like tweaking a couple of knobs. I mean, mm. or like digital knobs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's, UAD, that's something UAD I'd be is a good to. quality. UAD is very uh, good uh, quality to get good sound of. Yeah, but it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a copy, For a digital copy, an emulation of of an analog circuitry, and I think you know you can you can emulate compressors, you can emulate um, EQs, um, but when it comes to to preamps. That sound shape that that are sound shaping tools to to gain stage, um, mm. the the digital emulations do definitely perform different. I wouldn't I wouldn't say better or, but I would say also personal taste. Um, I would go over a nice pair of um, analog preamps then. Um, an emulation because from my experience they definitely change the characteristic and the quality of the audio and what you then afterwards I agree there's you have, to, you have to work less hard to make it sound good uh, once it's mm. um, once the recording uh, quality yeah exactly so you get you, you if you if you record with a a good preamp and on the right level uh, into your door there's uh, you find yourself spending less time EQing or leveling because it's um, the signal is just optimized it's it's already mm. there you know it's all it's got all the characteristics of uh, that you were looking for and you don't have to boost anything because or well you you might want to adjust but you find yourself doing less to the signal if it's mm. recorded well mm. with a good preamp yeah and 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 the so UAD plugins are very often the UAD, yeah, the UAD plugins, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's a good tip. It might save me time with mixdown because. Uh, <laughs> with I mixdown don't know. Things. I wonder. <laughs> I mean, the mixdown is still the most important thing, you know. And in the mixdown, so so much can go wrong. You might have, you might have made like the perfectly recorded things with the best preamps, but then if you 
do a bad yeah. mix down it still sounds like crap i think it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't influence the mix down and your skills but you have audio material that is like Jochem said um in a quality that you can achieve more with than with a not so good recorded audio through yeah. a cheaper or not so good uh, analog digital conversion um, and I mean, look at the look at the the glue compressor from in Ableton. That is basically a replica of a VCA compressor of a, of a, of an SSL bus compressor. And I think in a VCA compressor, um, a, a, um, a VST emulation compared to if you if you have them at okay levels, if you don't drive the hardware too hot, you don't really notice a difference between a VCA compressor hardware and a VCA compressor VST plugin. I think that is something you could save your money on, use good emulations, good plugins, mm. but when it really comes to the the the, pre, the amping of sounds, the amplification of sounds, that is something people maybe should consider in a good pair. I agree with you that that you if if people are at the stage where they really understand what they're doing and they got the whole process of making music down and they've got the they are productive and want to invest to update their signal path I agree with you it makes more sense to upgrade to a better signal path going into the box than to mastering stuff to fix things that are broken anyway. Mm. So um, it's better to invest in, in stuff that makes your sound going in uh, better rather yeah. than... Uh, or even a DI anyway. box, run, yeah, yeah, run, exactly. run, run, run a synthesizer through, through a DI box and it, it, the phases get tight. And, yeah. and um, it doesn't have to be um, a 7, 8, 900 euro preamp mono. You can use, um, again, Rupert Neve, the, the, the DI boxes. But the signal gets clean, the noise ratio gets better, the phasing, and then you go into the box, and the audio is 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 of a of a higher quality, maybe without again judging if if that is necessary or not. But um, sonically, um, like you said, what comes before and like the signal path um, is something that can definitely have an influence, despite if you have skills of mixing it or not. But um, that is what I what I what I what I um, experienced when I when I started looking at preamps. That that is something where I. But if you, I think if you if you start using these kind of preamps, then you also need to to, to convert them in a in a proper way. Like you can't really get away with doing it in a Fireface or something. You want to get the Fireface. I think is a like are very good chips. The the. Um, uh, in the studio, I have I have I have two SSL converters, which are I wouldn't say they're they they are not as good as as the new UCX from 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 RME, for example, or Lynx Aurora. I mean, of course, once you ch once you decide to go pro, you know, of course you have preamps in a way, and you have a good interface. But I would rather get a, like I said a pair of preamps than a tube compressor 
But I mean, if I can get a tube compressor hardware, I would also get that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. you know. This is where the money goes. This is all personal, eh? This is all personal, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you yeah, want to yeah, do? What do you want to make? What kind of sounds? The music you isn't going to get better. That's the problem. That's the yeah, that's, exactly. yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. But um, um. Um, but sonically, like. Um, it 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 when you break it down when you have when you have when you when you compare what went straight into your 500 euro interface or when you compare what went through um a signal path that well is like maybe more expensive then i think you can you can you can tell a difference and in the yeah, end it okay. results yeah. and, and, of course you know but then people yeah. are going to listen back to it on their laptop speakers or on their <laughs> iphone on their Apple iPods or AirPods. <laughs> we, are, we are talking about the last... I, I, and then I mean, you, you must agree. We are talking about the last few... Or maybe even percent. the last percent. It's really... Uh, yeah, but... I, I don't. I don't. I, I think mean, it's, the, it's the fetishism, you know. It's the yeah, fetishism yeah, of sound. It's like it it's only it for you if you have the possibility to do that, and you you have the but understanding the great, of doing all that. All the and... albums, all the albums you love, from Pink Floyd to I don't know Metallica, Tangerine Dream. That shit has all been recorded on um, on proper studio equipment in a way and i, I think, think you're opening up a discussion which yeah. is we can talk about it for three hours <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know how to, how to start. <laughs> hey henry come back come back some other time and we do like a whole show about 500 series i want to say i want to say one thing because i think that's very and valid an interesting point that you're make, making henning however I assume you're a one-man band. I assume you're your own engineer, your own drum programmer, your own synth programmer, your own preset designer, your own uh, engineer, master, I don't know. Any, you're everything yourself, right? With any of these pro albums that you just mentioned, for all of these things that I just, a, I just yeah. mentioned, there was somebody who did, yeah, who yeah. did that for a living. So that, that you cannot compare these things, you know. And yes, of course, I use very good equipment, but... Um, this is the this is the problem of being an electronic music producer. You have to be all these freaking things, you know. You have to be able to to understand everything, to to know how to make music, and to know all the the technical aspects as well. And then you, we're talking about uh, preamps and this and that. It's it's like mind boggling, you know. It's we we can never really make the same level of 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 quality music as as all these master albums it's never never gonna happen well no on the other hand uh, henning it's true it's also true that some of the the biggest selling tracks or records um were basically just cassette tapes recordings or um cdrs from a bedroom somewhere also yeah it's that's that happened Billy, as well um, Billy Eilish, you know, yeah, yeah. made in a bedroom yeah. probably on a on a laptop biggest, yeah. biggest streaming tracker. It, I think it's all, all, all it all comes to what kind of sound you want to bring out what how do you want it to sound I mean if you are doing uh, if you're recording you're doing the mix down you you have made an idea how you want it, the vibe the sound at the end yeah. that's how yeah, I, no, I, I see it. Yeah, yeah 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 I mean that is the, the, the but I mean the creative part and the technical part are two mm -hmm. things you you can look at like separately true um, but in, in, in electronic music they overlap and they're sometimes even the yeah. same thing i yeah. mean these days it gets more and more popular that you have people um mixing your stuff maybe even producing your stuff and i think that is what techno 
and electronic music has always been a bit shy of to like you had you had to be your like yours said the the you had to be seven eight people in one um and in in other genres of course you use uh, a mixing engineer um, or any other engineer in the studio. Uh, Metallica didn't record uh, their album just like, you know, they were just the musicians playing it. And um, of course, the, the, the creativity is, a, is at another stage, but we are, we are, we are in, a, in, a, in, a, in a time where you can make the greatest music on the most simple equipment, but... I still believe that it does make a, a difference in 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 how you approach the the writing process and the the engineering process. And even though in the end it will be played on 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 a, I don't know a thousand euro iPhone, um, there there is, is it iPhone a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it? Okay. It's is it getting late. Is it a thousand? I don't know. When it comes, when it comes, isn't it a thousand euro when it comes out? Anyways, okay, maybe it's cheaper. But um, I, I, I'm, I think it's a bit of um, yeah. You can do. It doesn't matter in the end. I think it does matter in the end. And even a Billie Eilish, what's her name? Irish. Yeah. If she if she does it if she, if she did it like if the story is she did it in her bedroom with, her brother I don't know what, her brother did it. Yeah. It's a major release. I think someone put his or her hands on and made it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of, no, course, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah okay. But um, I would say um, we are really, I, I'm not saying we're over time, but um, <laughs> I think we should use <laughs> Was I so it, wrong with the iPhone thing? No, I mean, fine. come on, when it comes out, when a, a new iPhone is, is, is a thousand fucking euro. Like iPhone 11. So, uh, this is the 6s. Don't get me wrong. This is the this is the oldest phone you can get. But when you get a new phone, an iPhone, what is it? 11 Pro is what 1100 that price. Mm -hmm. huh? yeah. A mono preamp you can buy for that price. You can yeah. buy two preamps from Rupert Neve. <laughs> actually. No, I was I was going to give uh, everybody, uh, every one of you, um, an opportunity to maybe plug something you want to plug. Is anybody doing any releases these days, or uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, fucking badass record on records? Um, oh, who? thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, Shinido. How is yeah. that? How is that going? Oh, it it, it crazy. It really. Uh, I mean, it came out before the lockdown in February. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they had so much uh, good feedback. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious also to hear back from, uh, from Radio Slave. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm really happy about the record because it's uh, yeah, like, you know, what I'm saying, music I make from my soul. You know, I spend time on my mix down. Uh, I, I, do, I put the hours in and... And it's really nice if people love it. You know, you have also yeah, the same it. feeling the it. music is out it's there. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, new, uh, I'm working on MTM, uh, MTM uh, Records. Uh, that's my uh, label. I started it uh, last year. And um, so I'm working on third release. So around August it's coming out. And, um, and I'm also working on a new album. 
and don't and don't have an exact date, but now is the time. No so gigs. Productive. Wow. <laughs> Taking the start to work. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of stuff. What about you, Nene? You've got anything coming up? Yeah, from September on, actually, I have a couple of EPs, an album, and some compilations. September, October, November, December, January. I'm like every month I have one or two things coming up. I'm super oh, excited about it. Banging it I, did, nice. I did a lot of tracks and. Um, yeah, but I'm now I'm just I'm drained out like because also it, it's a lot of learning process, you know, so my brain was like, okay, get the information, but now I need to like have a little bit of break. So I'm taking my break. I'm going to visit my uh, family also and going to Turkey for a week and stuff and just making a little bit less, but that the releases will be coming while I'm chilling, hopefully. I would like to send you also. Yeah. You bring guys. It yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Great. Good. <laughs> Good. Just and to have are... a little bit of feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, Henning, anything to plug? Well, I actually, I dusted out my, my archive. Like I said earlier, I was going through um, old tracks and I, um, yeah, I have also a few compilation uh, signings coming up, but I wasn't really writing new stuff. I, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, I was like more experimenting with new ways of creating music. So I, I didn't... I, yeah, didn't really. It, it, there's no new material, no original material, because I I, I discovered I discovered uh, other things than writing and recording new shit. Cool. Okay, I'm I'm gonna bug you sometime about those unreleased. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> not for the public. The, not for the public recordings. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks wow. everyone for hanging out. I, I can't believe the yeah, time went off. Two thank hours, you. twenty-one. Yeah. Oh my God, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> and, uh, the people who are still hanging on to uh, to us uh, rambling, um, thanks for joining <laughs> the, in the YouTube chat. And um, actually, I'm going to move over to our Discord server in a bit. Uh, we set up a Discord server to uh, grow a community. Talking about gear to the about the making music process, and uh, there should be a link somewhere in the description. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where we we'll, we will hang out for for a little bit longer. If anybody didn't see their questions answered, you can go there and try again. Uh, and otherwise, otherwise we can um, um, see you all back in the chat uh, next week with uh, different people and. I love to chat with you all. You're welcome to come again and, uh, and join us again here. Really enjoy this. Uh, thank you so much. Chat with yeah, you. thank you. Thank it was fun. <laughs> it was Something amazing. Different. Thank you. Nice to see you thank guys. You. See you in yeah. real life, Nene and uh, Henning. Yeah, hopefully soon. <laughs> After yeah, crazy Corona right. times. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So thanks again. Bye and, bye. Uh, Thank yeah. you. Ciao. Bye, guys. <laughs> Take care. Ciao. Tschüss.